Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to listen to the best music podcast ever? ever. Available on six platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, and more. You're listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with James Cox and Blake Mosley. When words fail, music speaks. Interview. Since 2004, photographer Jeremy Stafford has been making figures from the world of music, movies, and pop culture look iconic. Rightfully regarded as one of the most stylish and likable visual artists in contemporary music, he has crafted a recognizable, unique, and fantastical range of styles that, con- that continue to dazzle in fresh and creative ways. Utilizing his natural gift for his alternative flair, it is Jeremy's calling card to develop images and looks for clients that are truly making them the subject matter shine with star appeal and mag- majestic imagery. His coffee book, his coffee table book titled Daughters of Darkness is scheduled to release October 30th via rarebirdlit.com or at daughtersofdarknessbooks.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jeremy Staffer. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It, 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 it's, a, uh, it's a wonderful thing that, you, that uh, I, I was so easily... Uh, contactable with you um because usually you know celebrities are very hard to contact um uh, l- let me just tell the uh, people how i met you first of all because it was a shocker to me yeah, um, absolutely there is a uh a, a subscription box called called zobi metal box and uh they, they just came out like a few months ago and uh I unboxed the most recent one, which came out in, I think this is October, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. This is October. Yeah, so I unboxed the the, uh, the October box, and Jeremy stuff was all in, and I'm like, "What is this? This is awesome, right?" <laughs> so um, I posted it on uh, YouTube, my my reaction, and uh, Mr. Jeremy here, uh, he commented on it, saying that he um, he took pictures of um. Of uh, Giant Gavicon, and I was like, "Holy crap! I need to get in touch with this guy, right?" <laughs> so, so I asked him to email me, and you're here, you know. So, yeah. So, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show with us. This was awesome. Oh, thanks for having me, and I'm glad you like the Zobi box. It's something I've been working on with Jair for for about a year now, yeah. which is awesome. That was, I think, our fourth or fifth box, right? And we have another one around the corner already, which is awesome. Okay, so you started the uh, the Zobi metal box. Yep, JR and R. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, okay, yeah, because um, because um, you know, man, I've been looking for like a like a, like anything <laughs> metal box, and this is just great. This is just great. Um, two uh, a, a few things that I really love in there. Um, and and, and I'll ever 
Um, all, all of the boxes comes with your um, a, a special photo inside of it assigned. Mm-hmm. And my all-time favorite has been the Misfits for a long time. And I could nice. not, I, and I was blown away when I when I got this one. This is awesome, nice. yeah. The Doyle print, yeah, yeah. Doyle is awesome. And I was super stoked when I got it signed to you. Um, now, do y'all um, send these pictures to the to the artist and have it signed, or did or like uh, how does that work for for, for y'all? So anytime we put a box together, we kind of nowadays we kind of put a theme together and that's from the guitar box. And Doyle's a very good friend of mine. I do most of his photos and, you know, a lot of his T-shirts, hoodies, a lot of his stuff has my photos on it. And basically what would happen is we would J.R. and I would uh, J.R. and I, sorry, would figure out what artists would fit like a guitar box. And I know Doyle's a good friend of mine. I can get him to sign prints and be a part of it. And it's really cool because I get to get all my friends involved with Zobi and it crosses over to a collector community, not just a music community. And I'm both. I'm a huge collector and nerd and that's how I got in oh, yeah. to, yeah. to Zobi for sure. Right. You know, I originally just reached out to to Zobi and was like, hey, so I'm a photographer in the music industry. Would you ever consider doing a metal box? Because I have all these you know, kind of high profile metal musicians I work with that would be interested in signing prints and getting, you know, the authenticated autographs, which is not a thing in the music world as much as it is in like sports and comics and movies and comic cons and stuff like that. But you see like musicians are now going to comic cons. You'll see like David from Megadeth, uh, Doyle, they, they all do, uh, conventions now, which is really cool. So, when we put together like something like Doyle or Christina, like Christina was tricky because we had to ship the prints from here to Italy, get them signed in Italy and shipped back here. So that was a long and scary process, hoping they showed up on time, you I, I know? Got, I, got your, I got one of your prints too. It's all different. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Awesome. So, so I guess she's, uh, she's, she's, she's based in Italy now. I don't think she comes to the States anymore because of this um, pandemic, right? Well, she lives in Italy. She, uh, the whole right, band yeah, with yeah. Coil is from Italy, so she's always lived there. Right. But um, yeah, they they didn't get to tour here this year, unfortunately. Yeah. Which sucks because I love I love Christina. I I love the whole band, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're great people. So we're going to take you way back to the beginning, okay? <laughs> All, right, so, All right. So, uh, what got you into photography? So when I started, I was a musician. So I was in a lot of bands and I would always open up for bigger bands and I would take pictures of those bands to kind of show off, you know, this is who we played with. And the person who runs all the shows around me in Western Massachusetts was a guy named Scott Lee. He saw me photographing those shows and he was like, why don't you come shoot all my shows? So I started shooting all the local shows, which at the time was, you know, Shadows Fall, All That Remains, Lamb of God, Hatebreed, you know, all the up-and-coming metalcore bands when that first started and he also worked for a bigger company called mass concerts who put on kind of the bigger shows at the palladium in massachusetts the webster theater and all over new england like warp tour as a promoter and so i started working for them as a concert photographer and for me it was always for fun it was never like a job it was just cool i get to right. see cradle of filth and photograph them and i get this close to cradle of filth and right. get to watch the show and that's really cool so my dream forever since I was a little kid was to go to Berkeley school of music. My guitar teacher was actually uh, Ollie from all that remains. And, um, nice. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we live on the same street in long meadow where we grew up in Massachusetts. I miss that dude. He was an amazing dude. Yeah, yeah. So I get to Berkeley school of music and I end up just 
being miserable because my thing with music is I could play metal, but if I'm told to play jazz or blues or something I don't like, I'm not like I, I'm okay with it, but I kind of cringe my teeth and get yeah, through yeah, it. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not into it. And uh, by my second semester, I was just so miserable. I was skipping homework to go shoot concerts. And I went back to Scott Lee, the guy who first got me into it. And I was just like, yeah, dude, I'm at a crossroads. I don't know what to do. I hate playing music. And it was the only thing I love to do. He's like, well, what do you like to do? I'm like, well, take photos. He's like, do that. And he was like the person who kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, okay, this doesn't have to be for fun i can maybe do this for a job so i immediately started shooting more concerts going on tour Uh, i jumped off tour went to a photo school that was a 10-month intensive photo school um jumped off ozfest went to school jumped back onto ozfest and just kept on touring and started doing more portrait work and then around like 2004 2005 is when i started really doing more and more photo shoots rather than shooting just concerts so i would do Album art, you know, merch art, uh, magazine covers, spreads, stuff like that, but also shooting live. And then I also got really into uh, fine art nude photography of models for galleries, exhibitions, and art magazines and art books. So I kind of shoot, shot the two of those kind of split. And that's kind of where I started. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, sometimes you just got to get out there and do it sometimes because that's, that's the, best, the best way to do anything in life, you know? Let's get out Absolutely. and do it. Um, my next question is about your photography gear. Um, now, there's a lot of, lot, 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 lot of talk between two companies, whether it's Sony versus Microsoft, Apple versus Microsoft. You know, it's, it's all over the board. Um, my next question is about Canon or Nikon. Um, is it really all about the gear or, or, or do you make the picture stand out yourself? Um, I think it's like Pepsi and Coke. It's kind of what you prefer. For me, I never liked Nikon because their color was always super oversaturated. It would be like if I took a color of what's in front of me, the color would be much more colorful in the file than what actually exists, whereas Canon was more exactly what I saw. And that's what I liked. I actually don't shoot Canon anymore. I've been with them for 15 years, but I recently switched over to Leica, which is insane. It's so much better. Yeah. Like, like Leica is such a great camera. And, uh, I went to mirrorless when I've been DSLR for, you know, 15 plus years. So it's definitely a change, but, I definitely think if you're a photographer and you have a vision, you want the tools to bring your vision to life and to make it as accurate to what you want to see. Because if you're using tools that are not going to get you what you want, you're going to spend so much more time in post-production and editing in Photoshop, Lightroom, whatever you use, getting your photos to look the way you want them to rather than shooting it, getting it right on camera, minimal editing, and you're done. And I've always been taught, you know, I learned on film. I started on, uh, you know, film cameras. You started out the best way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, film no, cameras, the, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, because you get it right in camera. You don't get unlimited files. Right. You have as many frames as you have for that role or how many roles you have. And developing developing them's a pain in the butt. You know, making prints out of them is a pain in the butt. So getting to learn to get everything right in camera so you don't have to edit as much and knowing that every minute you're spending editing is time you're not spending booking more shoots or shooting more is kind of – you know, it takes away from all that. So trying to get it all right in camera is really, really important for sure. Right. 
Um, yeah, I, I, um, I was amazed about how much stuff you bring to your shoot because I was um, watching one of your videos and you were shooting some some kind of I uh, I, I think it's the uh, like a festival or something, and you had a lot of lot of stuff to bring with you. Um, how yep. long does that normally take to pack up and bring to your friends that said it? Unpack? I mean, that must take you forever in a day, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm really good at being prepared for photo shoots, so I know the night before what I'm going to have to bring. And there's sometimes I have to fly for photo shoots, so I'll have to, you know, hey, what are you doing? tomorrow at 10 a.m. can you hop a flight to Chicago and do a photo shoot with you know whoever so I always have to be ready to know you know am I driving to the location am I flying to the location because the gear I bring is based on that if I'm driving somewhere I have all the room in the world to put stuff in my my car and go to location whereas if I'm flying I have weight limits I have size limits that I have to abide by and if I'm going to a location and renting gear at that location, I need to know what I'm going to bring. Um, in general, when I'm shooting locally, I'll bring, you know, three lights, three light stands, power for all of it, my camera, a bunch of lenses, which is basically, you know, three or four cases worth of stuff. And it's not too bad. Um, packing it up and setting it up and then breaking it down, you have to kind of have that on lock because you're in a lot of situations where, you know, the tour manager lets you into the venue. You have 10 minutes to set up. You have, you know, 15, 20 minutes, an hour, even less, maybe five minutes with a band. You do the photo shoot and you have to be broken down in five, 10 minutes. So yeah. you really have to know how to build your equipment and break it down really quick, which is where, you know, great assistants mm -hmm. like, like Tara come in and she knows my gear so well that she could set it up and break it down on her own really quick. <laughs> nice, that's always good. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Really good. Having good assistance is is hey. very very important. A one, right? <laughs> absolutely. Um, now, how do your sessions with with musicians work? Do they? I, I I know they sometimes contact you and you you contact them, but it, but is is it like a like an all day shoot sometimes or uh, like do they just contact you for like an hour or two and if so. Um, how, how is it not, is it more like a, do, do they know exactly what to do sometimes or not? Every shoot is kind of its own beast. Like you don't know what you're getting into until, you know, you start talking. Right. So some bands, you know, you do a shoot for a magazine and it's something like a one shot and you only need five minutes with the band and you shoot them on the way to stage and the magazine sets it up and that's, that's easy stuff. And then you have something where, you know, a band or record label hits you up and you need to do a full layout or a cover shoot with a massive spread or even multiple things. Cause there'll be times where I do shoots that are like one giant band shoot, but it's not just for singular usage just like for the album for their merch for a couple magazine covers for a magazine spread for all their endorsement stuff like their guitar endorsements and their drum endorsements and just a full day and then sometimes you get those big shoots that are two or three days long you know it, it's always different from one second photo shoots with one light to you know three four days of, of photo shoots with uh every variety you can imagine right but yeah it's always different for sure so which 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 um session would you prefer would you prefer the short ones and not get like not get as many pictures or like 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 one of those two or three day ones where like, I, I got so much stuff i don't know what to do with it uh the more photos the better in my opinion okay. like yeah. no matter who i'm working with i would always like to get more and do more so you know you're really limited when you have 
five minute, 10 minute shoots, but that's because the band, you know, they're on a show day. They have to wake up, get ready, sound check, do the quick photo shoot, eat dinner, get on stage, play the show, do a meet and greet, and then go to the next (laughs) venue. So it cuts into their day and you have to be very, you know, mindful of that. But on those off chances that I get, you know, a two, three hour photo shoot with a band in one of those situations, it's always great because we get so much good stuff. And, you know, the more you shoot, the more you get, that's, that's awesome because the first shoot the first couple shots you get with a band you don't know well is usually an icebreaker it's kind of them learning how you shoot you learning how they pose you learning what they like what they don't like in photos and the more you shoot the more you get comfortable with each other and start getting better and better and better stuff so definitely like more time is better for sure um well the reason why i wanted to get you on my show was you said you work with john gabacon right yeah, yeah. And, if you uh, have his book, I did uh, all the photos in his book. Yeah, and uh, and Nico Gavikani has become one of my favorite of all time bands now. They're like amazing, right? And uh, Giant Gavikani is really, really funny because he has a YouTube channel called Right Now. You know, yep. yeah, he does. So, um, uh, if you can, can you take can you take you through the day work with him? Because I know he's like amazing guy. You know, a goblin. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, how is he? You know, did he cut up with you all the time or like like how was the atmosphere? So the way that happened is I've known Necrogoblicon for a little while because the human abstract dudes who I toured with back in the day with all that remains. Um, Henry works with Necrogoblicon. Um, and Brett is their manager now, which is awesome. And so I hit them up and mentioned, Hey, you know, I'm in Los Angeles. If you guys need a photo shoot, let me know. And they mentioned they were shooting, you know, the book shooting the, uh, uh, the, the show right now with the ones with, uh, like West Borland, um, a, a bunch of other people were on it. <laughs> And they shot, you know, all those episodes back to back, which was hilarious. It was so difficult not to laugh when when they were shooting it. So basically I came in and it was um, it was two of the guys and we did a bunch of shots of them with John Goblicon after he was in, in his full thing. And that was for Outburn magazine. It's it's up on the Outburn website. And then we did an interview as well for it. Um, then we he shot the the show and I was doing behind the scenes of the show as well as portraits of him with all the guests and and stuff like that and then afterward we did a shoot for the book which is all the photos you see in his uh his book and it was just kind of a marathon of a day it was kind of like you get there early and you just went and went and went and then you took breaks and just kind of watched when he was doing um you know the the show which was so funny it was so hard not to die yeah, laughing and yeah. anytime they cut everyone just started laughing so hard so funny but that's how my book came about i did that shoot and that book's on the same publisher as right. as my book and what happened was i did those photos and i was going back and forth with the publisher and i mentioned hey i've been working on this project for 12 years would you be interested in it the uh, the daughters of darkness book and he was like yep let's do it so that that, that that's how that came together, and and that comes out a week from today on, right. on yeah, the thirtieth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I'm, I'm definitely gonna buy one of them um, uh, packages. Um, oh, thank you. My favorite right now uh, uh, show is, is is the one, of course, with Wes. That's always a good one. And uh, <laughs> I I find it so funny that that, that he, he he interviewed uh, Keith Buckley and just called him <laughs> Jeff Buckley the whole. And I was like, oh my god, that's so. That's a great, yeah. So, um, and the yeah. the other funny thing about that is Keith 
is also a book writer. You know, he has two books out and they're also right. on the same, yeah, same, same publisher. Right, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're all kind of label mates, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's awesome. That's totally awesome. Man. Yeah, Keith is awesome. <laughs> I know you work with, with a lot of um, high celebrities and, 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 uh, and uh, very well-known musicians. But I just want to give uh, you to give uh, our listeners a uh, a uh, kind of a like a who's who that, that you worked with before. Sure. So, um, in terms of shooting bands live, I've shot pretty much any rock or metal and pop act that has toured the U.S. in the past. <laughs> 10 to 15 years for the most part. And then in terms of photo shoots, um, portrait shoots, I've worked with so many bands and actors. Um, let's see, Slipknot, Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer, uh, Anthrax, um, Alice Cooper, uh, Robert England, Doug Bradley, uh, Johnny Depp, uh, so many. A lot of horror actresses and actors and mostly rock and metal for, for portraiture, for sure. Well, I will say um, I was a, 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 an amateur photographer for a little while. Didn't really pan out, you know. But I want to say that, that yeah, your photos are like top-notch amazing, dude. They're, they're really, the colors would really pop out. Um, and, and, and the way you have them posed for you, that's, that's yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, well, Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so... Like like you said before, uh, your book um, "Daughters of Darkness" comes out a week from now. Yep. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Um, uh, what inspired you to create the "Daughters of Darkness" coffee table book? So it's a long-winded answer, but okay. it goes back to when I was, you know, in a band and I was a kid and I was getting into black metal and I knew who like Cradle of Filth and Immortal were, but I didn't know really much beyond that. And I love Cradle of Filth and their imagery and, you know, their merch and same thing with Immortal. So I would go to my local music store, which is uh, the music outlet in Enfield, Connecticut, and I would flip through all the records, all the CDs. And as soon as I saw something with, you know, oh, okay, here's a nude model in the woods with a black metal logo. This is probably a band I'll like. I'm going to buy this, not knowing who the band was. And, you know, 99% of the, of the time it was an awesome black metal band. And that's how I found bands like, you know, Gehenna, Mactatus, um, Marduk, Satyricon, so many black metal bands just from flipping through and finding that cool album art and grabbing it anything with you know a nude model in an occult setting in a nature setting um anything with coarse paint or blood uh, and a black metal logo i was like all right i gotta get this and <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of the foundation of you know i always got excited when i found something i didn't know and that's how i really expanded my knowledge in discovering black metal bands and doom metal bands like same thing with theater tragedy tristania the sins of thy beloved all of those bands are you had that kind of artwork and that's what turned me on to first listening to them and got into so many bands that way and then years and years later i'm a photographer and as i mentioned earlier i was shooting kind of 50 percent bands 50 percent models and one of the things I was hired to do was to shoot a t-shirt design for a black metal clothing line. And the idea was to take the pulp. This is hardcore album cover, which is a nude blonde woman kind of looking down in kind of a black and red setting. And, and it just says, this is hardcore. And the idea was to get a girl nude in corpse paint in the same kind of pose and say, this is black metal. 
Right. So we did we did that shoot, and the model was into black metal. I'm into black metal, so we were just like, dude, this is awesome. We have to shoot way more with this. So we did that first shoot, and then we kept on shooting. We shot on a white flat background, a black background, in the basement of the studio, outdoors, tons of stuff, and I loved it. I was like, dude, the aesthetic of this is so cool. It brings me back to flipping through. Like if I saw that photo on the cover of an album, I'd buy it. And I kind of decided, okay, I think I'm going to do a series of these. Maybe I should do a few shoots like this. And a year later, I was like 50 shoots deep. So I really kind of went all out on it. And anytime I wasn't shooting bands, I was shooting this. It kind of became my go-to if I had open time, that's what I would shoot. And, you know, there's some months where I would do, you know, 20 shoots for it and three months, four months at a time, I didn't have time to do any shoots for it. But fast forward a bunch of years, um, you know, I'm a few hundred shoots deep and I really want to do a book with it. So I start reaching out to book publishers who do nude art books and stuff like that. And they're like, nope, we don't get it. They're wearing corpse paint. Why? Yeah. Huh. No, this is yeah. too, too specific for us. No one will buy it. No. So I was like, okay, book publishers don't want it. I'm going to start hitting up record labels and clothing lines that are into black metal because they publish albums with this type of stuff on it. Right. Nope. No nude. We can't no. do that. That much nudity. No way. Hell no. Can't oh. do it. Sorry. So I just kept yeah. on, you know, I just kept on shooting it. I was like, you know what? Eventually I'll just keep on adding more and more to it and show them new images every year. And hopefully eventually they'll say yes. But I was really lucky in that I met Tyson from Rare Bird Books and he was into it. My first meeting with him, I went in to uh, talk about the book and he's wearing a Satyricon hoodie. So we talked about black metal for two hours before even like talking about the book. Yes. And that's just like, OK, I found the perfect publisher. <laughs> yeah, and we got to do yeah. so much cool stuff like we got to nerd out on black metal and we still do. We talk every few days and we're just talking about black metal and then, oh, yeah, the book, you know, <laughs> which is really, really cool. And we got to, you know, put together the compilation, the the, uh, the vinyl. And that was kind of a dream of both of ours. And we got to do it, which was really, really cool. You know, there there was so much we got to do. That was so awesome. Uh, OK, so you're going to have to help me with with some of these pronunciation of the bands. I know I, I know I'm not very good with band names. <laughs> okay, so yeah, no worries. <laughs> okay, so with the book also comes the vinyl soundtrack under the same name. Uh, you have bands like Abbott. Okay, so it's like Abbott or Abbott. 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 Yeah. Okay, because I heard him say it's all you know. See, he he's from Norway, so he has a Norwegian accent, but right. it's basically. Sabbath, like Black Sabbath, right. but without the S. Okay. So I always call it Abbath, but he's from Norway and he has that Norwegian accent, so he always says, says Abath. Ab yes, but I Abath. believe he, yeah, but I believe he says Black Sabbath or okay. something like that. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know if it's Abath or Abbath or Abat, whatever right. you. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, he'll respond to all of those. Okay, I get you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So yeah, bands like Abbath, Mayhem. Uh, thirteen forty nine. It's like yeah. Watain. Watain, yeah, they're Watain. amazing. Okay, uh, Karak Agren, A N G R E N. Yep, Karak Agren. Okay. They're awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. Carpathian Forest and and many other bands on that vinyl record. Um, were these brand new songs from the bands, or just or or just for the record, or or were they songs that you said, okay, this is this is a great one to be on your this and this and this. 
So basically what happened with that is Rarebird always puts out vinyl with their books. Like the John Goblicon book can come with a record. And, and I got that one too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. dude. yeah. And it's him reading a chapter of the book. And he was talking about having, you know, Randy Blythe from Lamb of God read his um, his intro or have Danny Filth from Cradle of Filth read the uh, the forward he wrote. But I had an idea, like, why don't we put out a black metal record, like either put out a song or, you know, an album or something. So I reached out to Season of Mist and I've worked with that label for a long time. And um, they were into the idea of putting together a compilation. And I sort of assumed they would kind of give me their newest singles to promote whatever's new and about to come out. But instead they were like, you know, we'll give you the keys to the archive. You pick whatever bands you want, you pick whatever songs you want. So I got to go in and pick my favorite bands on season of Mist, which are some of my favorite black metal bands of all time and pick my favorite songs by those bands where, you know, you're picking a mayhem song. You would assume you would pick something early on from a day mysterious or something newer with Attila, but I went Grand Declaration of War because I really love Maniac Era Mayhem. And Abbott, you know, Immortal's my favorite band. And when he split with Immortal and they kind of went their separate ways, you know, I was worried. I was like, is Abbott still <laughs> going to sound like Abbott? <laughs> yeah. But it's amazing. And Count the Dead was my favorite song on the album. So I got to start the album with that. And there's just so many awesome bands on there, but it has such variety. Like the models in the book have such variety. They're, you know, they come from everywhere they're so different and the shots are so different you have shots that are you know in studio outdoors dark bright it's just a huge variety and the album also has so much variety because it has that thrashy black metal the doomy black metal the black and death the symphonic black metal the classic raw black metal the kind of newer black metal as well and it has all those classic bands like, you know, Mayhem, but it also has newer bands like Hellfro, who just came out this year. But then it also has like Rotting Christ, but it doesn't have a classic Rotting Christ song. It has something from their new album. And same thing with And Oceans, who just got back together, thankfully. They're on the album as well. And, you know, it's one of their new songs. So I kind of wanted to have as much variety as possible in there. So should you want to listen to it while looking at the book which i think it makes a good pairing which is uh, the most <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. That, that's yeah. the way to do it i figure it shows you a bunch of variety and by the time you get to whatever spot in the book things in the book have changed so the sound completely changes oh, you wow. know yeah. Yeah. Uh, um yeah because i've been collecting for vinyl for about a year and a half now and i have a lot of them so i'm very I- very eager to uh, order one with the actual record too because because to be honest, I haven't heard very much of black, black metal music, and I'm and I'm really interested in it. Um, you know, because my mind grew up when I, you know, grew with me as I went growing up. And uh, way back in the day when I was in high school, I uh, I listened to nothing but Metallica. Metallica was lit for me, man. Just all, all day, every day. You know, as I grew up, yeah. You know, I I I, I expanded my um my uh, broad ranges of, of music, so I'm. I'm really excited to order this record and see what you know, um, like metal has is uh, is uh, going to do for me. You know, absolutely. I can give you some awesome black metal records to listen to and give okay. you some suggestions for sure. Cool, cool. Um, more on the book though. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, so you're so so the book comes in uh, very, um, different sets and, and bundles. Uh, can you tell yep. um, what? 
customers will be getting in their purchase and what are the differences between each 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 edition because you have the standard edition bundle the blood edition bundle extra blood edition and the true daughters of darkness deluxe box set Yep. All right. So the standard edition is the book that's going to be in stores and available everywhere. And it's in stores for $60. But if you get it through Rare Bird, the publisher. What's that? 40 bucks. 40 bucks if you pre-order now. Oh, no, no, no. It's still 60. Um, But it's it's the same. It'll be in stores, but you get all these extras. So if you go to daughtersofdarknessbook.com, you can pre-order the book and you get, you know, like a. corpse paint guitar picks that look like this these yes. kind of guys yes. i think you got one got, in the last book I, right I did, I did i got one of them i think i got the one that you showed me um i got this this bad boy right here ah oh, nice yeah yeah, yeah. awesome cool, yeah. so you get all sorts of stuff there's a pop socket there's stickers there's pins and that's just with the standard edition and then there's the uh bathory edition which comes in a slip case and it's it's a huge book it's like the size of my torso mm. and it's like six pounds something like that um the the bathory edition comes with extra prints uh the standard edition comes with prints too every order is going to come with autograph prints autographed by the models they're kind of randomly inserted so it's kind of a a little extra bonus we added to it um and i think that one comes with i I don't remember what everything comes with off the top of my head you would have to go to the website but i'm pretty sure it comes with just extra prints extra picks uh extra stickers extra pins um the next one up is the bloody bathory edition oh bathory edition comes with the vinyl by the way bathory bloody bathory and the box set all come with the vinyl the standard edition does not um the bloody bathory edition is the same slipcase bathory edition but it comes with i think a t-shirt um even more prints even more extras and of course it comes with the vinyl as well and that i remember that one being the most like bang for the buck if you got one like that comes with so much extra stuff and then the box set is totally custom it's um a different cover a different slipcase and it's like seven or eight pounds it's massive and it's hand sewn and it has 24 extra pages in it that are not in the other books with 24 extra photos and whatnot and then it comes in a handmade wooden box with the daughters of darkness logo in it then it comes with a set of corpse paint it comes with a hoodie a t-shirt um a ton of prints i think it comes with something like 30 or 40 prints uh, it comes with candles. It comes with a velvet throw. It comes with a book display, which is a wooden book display that opens up like this, and you can lay the book on it. Oh, wow, yeah, which yeah. is really cool. It's wooden, yeah. and and there's only 25 of those available. It comes with a certificate of authenticity that that's signed and stuff, and hand numbered. And I know it comes with other stuff, but the whole idea is you can open the box, take the book out, put the velvet throw down, and create a little altar with candles and kind of put on your corpse paint and look at the <laughs> book awesome. if you want. Yeah. But yeah, the the detail they have in that box set is just unreal. Yeah. They put so much into it, and it's so awesome. And that's good. Now, let's be honest. Did you the, – the prices on the other uh, bundles are okay. But did you uh, – did you have any any – uh, put in the price of the True Daughters of Darkness deluxe box set because that's six six oh, six. Yeah, yeah okay. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, I mean, I mean, if you gotta go big, you know, go big or go home, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely yeah, the, uh, a lot of, the big. A lot of good because quality you, stuff in it, you know. So. Oh, yeah. And as you can imagine, doing a, a, a small run of hand-sewn books that have 24 extra pages and handmade everything, and it's all put together by hand as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the box, all everything. The Velvet Throw. I want to say the, uh, the publisher's aunt, the publisher's someone in the publisher's family is actually sewing those together and making the oh yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so everything is like custom made i even um there's guitar pick tins which i can kind of show you on here i'm going to censor it with my finger yeah there's these guitar pick tins okay yeah guitar picks in it what we did for the box set is we opened it up and there's 18 different guitar picks and tara and i put in every single guitar pick so the box set gets everything they get every print that the standard Bathory and Bloody Bathory get because they all get different prints. Right, yeah. The true one gets all of them. All so, for six hundred and sixty-six dollars. Can't beat that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, okay. So your book has an introduction by the by the Almighty Brandon Bly of Lamb of God, and forward by the, by Danny Filth of Creole Filth. You know, rightfully so. Um. Can you first of all, can you just tell me why you picked these two heavy hitters in the metal industry? And was it hard hard to get them to do this, or did they just say, sure, I'll do it? So with Randy, Randy's been a good friend for so many years, and he's also a photographer. He's he's actually who got me into Leica. He's a Leica photographer, and he's the one who's like, you need to check out Leica, and that's why I'm shooting Leica now, thanks to Randy, because he's the best dude ever. Yeah, he is. So very early on when he first got into photography we would always nerd out and he would come up to me and you know hey what what do you think of this lens here's what i've been shooting and we would show each other um you know different things sorry something popped up on my screen let me delete that cool so we would show each other work we've been working on and he would show me like new shots he's been doing i show him new stuff i've been doing and one of the things I showed him very early on was the corpse paint project. And he was such a huge fan. He's like, dude, these are awesome. When's the book coming out? And that was before a book was even in the thought process. So he would, every time I see him, we would talk about photography and then he'd be like, when's the book coming out? Always positively kind of nudging me along to keep working on it, keep doing it, keep at it. And he knew like there was a while there where, I was really trying to get it out as a book and unable to. And he was still always like, "Ah, I can't wait to have the book in my hands, dude. It's going to be awesome. So he was always so positive. So when it came to like the book actually coming to fruition, there was no question. Randy knows me. He knows my photography. He knows the project. He's the perfect person to have talk about the book and talk about the project and write that intro. And then when it came to someone who was integral in the foundation of the project, you know, Cradle of Filth, their merch, their album art was definitely a big part of the foundation of this book because they always use nude art all the time. They still do. And it's amazing. So being able to get Danny Filth to do it was just incredible. I have the best manager on earth. My manager is Dez. Um, I don't know if you know Devil Driver. Uh, I do. Singer. Yeah, yeah the, the singer of Double Driver and his wife are my management, um, and they also manage Cradle of Filth, and they also have a clothing line with Randy. Go figure. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're like best buds, which is awesome. Yeah. So it's uh, it's all kind of in the family. So when we were talking about someone to do the forward, 
it made sense to have Danny do it since he's been so inspirational to me, to the book. And luckily he was like, yep, I'll do it. And it's so, so nice of him. Such a rad dude. And, you know, management just made it happen. And, you know, they're the best people on earth. They, they're just always positive, always driving things forward, always making things happen. They're, they're like a shot of pause. Any, anytime you talk to them, it's like a, super adrenalized positivity shot to the heart and you're just like yes you know you get super pumped so yeah thankfully thanks to them this was able to happen and they made it work and made it happen so that's why uh randy and danny are involved thankfully and, yeah you know, they, yeah because I, I met randy um when they were on tour with machine Head way back when this was before we got we got the concert <laughs> you know so uh that seems like a real good friend to have when he's always pushing you to do it. And, you know, because I, I know for, for firsthand, you know, when it gets hard, kind of want to detour it the other way and not do it anymore. But, yeah, but that's, I mean, Randy's a good guy. And, yeah, so thank him for me, for you coming out with this book. <laughs> Absolutely. He is the best dude. And he's so full of positivity and he's so so great with words like him and Danny both are incredible with words and lyrics and they're just very thoughtful and very smart you know right, right. Yeah. um I read on your uh, on your profile that you don't like country at all country is a big <laughs> no-no for you hey it's yeah. not for everyone man you know but um what was it about black metal that drew you to the specific genre I mean was it the visual concept was it the uh guitars or the, or the singing like like what was it for you that really captured you? I think it was everything, but you know, vocals definitely were a big pull for me. I always liked, you know, the evil sounding demons in movies. And to me, they sounded like those evil demons and like the, the coldest, most evil thing you can hear. You listen to like, you watch a horror movie and you hear those evil voices. And it's like, that sounds like black metal. Right. Uh, when I first got into it, Cradle of Filth was the first band. I, they, they were like, for me, I got into Metallica first, yeah. as with most metal people. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Metallica's yeah. their foundation. Yeah. And then I went to, you know, I kind of spiraled off to all the other forms of metal, you know, thrash metal, death metal, power metal, all that other stuff. From Metallica, I got into Megadeth Corn, Pantera Slayer, you know, White Zombie, all that stuff. But Cradle of Filth were kind of my Metallica for black metal. They were kind of the big foundation. And I, then I got into Immortal, Dark Throne, Mayhem, Satyricon, Diabolical, Masquerade, Lombonic Art, and all that kind of stuff. And I think black metal is probably one of the most versatile genres of metal. And that all death metal is death metal, even though there's a couple different subgenres of death metal. Um, thrash metal is thrash metal, you know. Um, power metal has a little bit of variation in there but black metal is just such a wide spectrum because you have those super symphonic bands like cradle of filth like um chark agrin like you know diabolical masquerade that are just so beautiful and huge sounding and, and that's another cool thing about black metal it's beautiful but it's evil so it has that duality to it right. and i always love that beauty and beast duality in movies like legends one of my favorite movies and you have yes. that yes. that awesome tim curry as darkness with the coolest lines ever yeah. and then you have you know the the beautiful you know the innocence the evil and the battle between the two 
And that very much exists in black metal where you have this beautiful music and evil imagery and evil, raw, grim sounding stuff. And again, like just so first with the symphonic stuff, you got the more death sounding black metal bands like Current Behemoth, um, like Rotting Christ. They're more like on the black and death spectrum. Um, You got bands like, like, of course, Dark Throne and mayhem and all the kind of raw black metal bands the classic black metal sound you have the really thrashy black metal bands like destroyer 666 and and so many others you have the really intricate black metal stuff like dissection or katamina you have the really froggy black metal bands like the great old ones and stuff that's kind of out there and doing more the the proggy there's just so much to black metal where it's just such a wide variety whereas you can't say i don't like black metal you have there's so much out there where there's like okay maybe you don't like this sound in black metal but here's a black metal band that sounds absolutely nothing like this black metal band you know whereas with thrash metal you can say okay i don't like thrash metal you're like all right well that's fair thrash metal is kind of thrash metal Mm -hmm. there's not much more you know there's not a lot of variation in thrash metal, even though like I'm a huge thrash nerd, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> some of my favorite bands are the thrash bands, but you know, there's not as much variety. When you listen to a thrash record, you're going to hear a thrash record. When you listen to a black metal record, you don't know what kind of black metal you're going to get unless you know the band, right. you know? Yeah. And that's always so fun to, fun, fun, fun to find out for yourself the first time you listen to it. You're like, oh, yeah, God, it's, you know, it's awesome. Um, so, why do you think that black metal is more of a niche than any other genre? Because I hear more and more people like uh, talk about a thrash and you know rock and regular regular heavy metal music, but I hear like almost nobody uh, talk about a black metal unless I'm hanging out with the wrong people. <laughs> well, I think black metal is still alive and well and doing well, but I don't think it's as popular as it was maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was a time where Cradle of Filth, Dimu Borgir, and Satyricon, and and to another extent Mayhem, really kind of took off and became popular. Like They were on OzFest. They were doing stuff like that, where when do you see extreme metal bands on those big festivals in America? Like, very, very rarely. Like, Athonic was on a on i want to say ozfest as well which is really cool you know you'll see cannibal corpse and black dahlia on those tours every now and again but black metal very very rarely and they were touring the u.s a bit you know they were all getting big but there was one year and i couldn't tell you what year it is off the top of my head but immortal broke up limbonic art broke up emperor broke up and a lot of the bands that were black metal were experimenting with being not black metal so you got those bands like Dodim's guard over um, it's so many others that are just experimenting with these avant-garde kind of sounds or just being less black metal. Like Olver's not a black metal band anymore. Their new stuff's great, but it sounds like Depeche Mode. <laughs> I mean, it, it's really, really good, but yeah. it's not the same band as their early stuff, just as Opeth, who are another one of my favorite bands. You know, they started kind of on the black metal trend, getting death metal prog, and then they went to being this kind of rock prog band you know they're not metal anymore even though their new album i will say is very metal and very awesome but you know 
prior to that, you know, when they hit Heritage and stuff like that, it got very just like middle of the road prog rock rather than being a metal band. And I think a lot of black metal fans kind of got disheartened with all their favorite bands breaking up, all these bands kind of going by the wayside, all the bands that were black metal getting off on guard. Like Mayhem's Grand Declaration of War is a kind of pre-example of that. That was right before all the bands got really experimental and you know, a lot of people don't like that record because it is experimental. It's something different. It's not traditional black metal. And it's Tyricon, same thing. They got a little more rock oriented than just, you know, their traditional black metal roots. You know, after Rebel Extravaganza, they kind of like with Volcano and with stuff like that, they sort of started doing kind of a rock thing. And, you know, they're still black metal, but there was more rock driven black metal, which is, you know, another subgenre of the thousand subgenres of black metal. And it was I liked it, but I could see like a lot of black metal fans were starting to, you know, where's my black metal? What's happening to it? And then this whole new wave of black metal came in and all these amazing bands came in. But it kind of pushed black metal underground a whole bunch from where it was like Cradle of Filth wasn't as big as they were back then Dimmu Borgir's not as big as they were back then all the black metal bands weren't touring the US as much as they used to and and you know obviously right now no one's touring but you know I'm I'm seeing a big rise in it again and I know another thing that really bummed people out was kind of hipsters kind of really got into black metal but not really into it it was kind of like you know, you always get mad when someone you feel is outside of the circle gets into what's in what's your passion, what's your inner circle. So a lot of people are just like, Ugh. but, you know, for me, anyone who's listening to black metal, that's awesome. If you're a hipster and you think, you know, Transylvanian Hunger is a great album, it's a great album. So good. We we share that, you know, idea that Dark Throne rules, which they do. Um, but yeah, it, it's a very polarizing genre where you have purists, you have people that are more open, you have elitists, you have people that are all about everyone being into it. And then there's obviously the dark side of black metal where you have, you know, the things that happened between Varg and Euronymous where Euronymous was murdered, um, all, all the church burnings and stuff like that, the black circle. Uh, and you also have the massive NSBM movement where there are a lot of, unfortunately, white power and Nazi black metal bands. But luckily, they're all being outed and kind of shoved out of the the, the entire uh, scene. They're like, dude, we don't want you anymore. Like Varg, for example, from Burzum, you know, he said some terrible, terrible things and people just kind of were like, okay, you know what? I'm not supporting Burzum anymore. And that's great. Like, yeah. I used to love Burzum. Like, Hyvis Lissetaros, what an album, but I will never listen to it again because I'll never support someone who says the stuff he says. Yeah. You know, I immediately sold all my Burzum merch. <laughs> I had Burzum test yeah. presses even, and I sold those off. I have no more Burzum stuff. So it's really good to see that, you know, the black metal scene's kind of evolving in a positive way, and it still exists. Like, like that band Helfro that's on the, uh, the soundtrack for Daughters of Darkness, they're a band that came out this year, and they're awesome. So new black metal is happening and it's great. And Immortals back, Abbots back, yeah, so uh, Immor- Emperors yeah, back. That's hard. And then Immortal broke up, you know, yeah, like years ago. But I, but I just heard that uh, Immortals coming back. So I've heard some yeah. Immortal stuff and, and I really, really liked it. And I just, you know, wanted to see what you know if uh, you know um, 
yeah, so I can't wait for them to come back and put out a, put out a new record. You know, that'd be awesome. Yeah, their last record is really, really good, even though Abbott's not on it. Right. Like, m- my favorite black metal record of all time is At the Heart of Winter by Immortal, and it's just so good. Like, that's my favorite record ever. And when they broke up, it was just so heartbreaking. But when they came back, you know, they did they did an album, and it was okay. And then Abbott and Immortal kind of did this, and they both put out good albums. So it is what it is. Hopefully one day Abbott and Immortal can kind of fix things and get back together one way or another hopefully but either way they're both putting out great music so fine with me um i know you gave me a lot of bands to, to, to listen to um but um why don't we just break it down to five bands that you would recommend for me because i like i said before i'm always open-minded i always am listening to new music and i want to get more into black metal but i don't know where to start so can you help me out with it Absolutely, I can. All right, so number one, Immortal at the Heart of Winter. Absolutely, that album, Cradle of Filth, Cruelty, and the Beast. What an album. It's all based on Elizabeth Bathory, if you know who Elizabeth Bathory is. She's the Hungarian countess that bathed in the blood of virgins to keep herself young. Okay. So it's an an album based on that, and the lyrics are absolutely incredible. Um, For something that gives you a little variety, check out Satyricon, A Night at the Opera. It's Satyricon doing kind of a range of their songs with the Norwegian National Opera, and it's amazing. It's a live album, but it's them with an opera, and it's it's insane. Uh, Dimu Borgir, I would say Puritanical. Uh, What's... What's the name of the album? Uh, Puritanical, misanthropic. I'll, I'll have to look up the the name of the album. Um, or Puritanical misanthropy. Uh, I'll look it up and, and get back to you. But that that album's amazing. Really, really good one. Um, Black Ma- uh, Now, are you into like the really symphonic stuff? Are you into the thrashy stuff? I think you might like Behemoth. They're more on the the edge of. I do. I've actually seen Behemoth live before, and I'll tell you a a funny story real quick. I got to meet them after their um their opening. They they were opening for Cannibal, like uh, like Spartanburg, and uh, I met I met uh, the the whole band. You know, of course, there's three guys. (laughs) Yeah, you know, but all I could say to them was, "I like the show." That's all I could say. I, I didn't know what else to say, man. I was like shocked that I, you know, I'm right there with Behemoth, you know. So, dude, they're so good. Yeah, oh yeah, they're they're coming it, coming it. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's do uh, symphonic metal because I find that very beautiful too, you know. So the Dimmu Borgir album is Puritanical Euphoric Misanthropia. Okay. That's the album to check out. I had to look it up to get it correct. Right. <laughs> uh, more symphonic stuff, I would say uh, Diabolical Masquerade. Check out that band. All their albums are absolutely incredible. For something also symphonic, uh, check out Charak Agrin, and they're they're on the album, so okay. you'll get that with, uh, with Daughters of Darkness. Okay. They do concept albums, so all their albums are kind of telling a story throughout the the whole album they're they're really good um another great one is old man's child any album by them is great uh that the the dude who old man's child's one guy that's the cool thing about black a lot of bands are just one dude but uh galder who is old man's child is also in dimu borgir so you'll see a lot of Mm -hmm. kind of similar stuff there right um 
Let me think of one more. Limbonic yeah. Art. They're, they're kind of a creepier black metal band. I think you'll like Limbonic Art. They're cool. So well, let me ask you this, and then we're going to – I'll let you go. Uh, you, told, you, you told me that there's that one guy is on – mainly on the uh, black metal band. Uh, 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 why is there just one guy? Um, there's a lot of bands that are single band projects. Like, um, I mean, there's, there's so many to name, but a lot of bands have just done that where they're just one person writing everything and just recording everything. Um, I know Burzum and, you know, I don't want to give that dude any props because Varg sucks, but, uh, uh-huh. he was a one man project, of course. Um, you know, Old Man's Child, of course. Uh, Diabolical Masquerade is the one-man band. Uh, Limbonic Art is just two. Uh, but yeah, there's so many bands out there where it's just there's one dude who does everything, and he can just do it. Uh, with Old Man's Child, they would have drummers come in, like Gene Hoagland's on one of the albums, I believe. Um, I know Nick Barker's on one of the albums. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know why that is, but there's a lot of one person bands out there i know Hellfro, i think is two people um i'm trying to think of what other bands are just one people band i know there's a lot out there and uh you know immortal was forever three people and they had the biggest sound on earth which is crazy you see them live and it sounds like you know four guitarists playing at once but it's just one guitarist which is insane right. yeah. um yeah well, well i guess they they they, they write this stuff and say if and when they go into they hire by musicians or something, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bands that never really played live shows. Like, Burzum never played live. Uh, Dark Throne, I don't think, really played live. I know they did a show with Satyr at one point, or with with Satyricon at some festival where they did some Dark Throne songs. Uh, Bathory, of course, the most infamous. You know, they were before all, all this. And Bathory is a one-person band. I, I want to say they did, like maybe a live show at one point and oddly enough um the drummer for bathory is uh the dude who directed movies like spun he does all the lady gaga videos and he actually did that movie um uh lords of chaos okay about black metal oh, okay. uh he directed it and he's actually from the black metal scene which is really cool and it's a great movie. It's just not what actually happened, but it's worth a watch. It'll give you kind of an idea of, I mean, it's a little offshoot of the culture. It's not actually mm-hmm. accurate, but, right. but it's definitely entertaining for sure. It's a great movie. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, like I said, you know, you've been one of the nicest guys to me, you know, coming on the show and, uh, your book is, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to definitely get, um, I'm probably going to pre-order after I hang up with you. Awesome, dude. And, Thank um, you so much. And, and, dude, I love your pictures, and all of your um, uh, work is, like, tremendously uh, really really well shot. So, um, and I hope to have you back, you know, maybe later on. We can, you know, talk about mo- more more metal, you know. That'd be great. I could talk about metal all day, every day. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. So, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the When Words Fail, Music Speaks podcast. Stay tuned for more, and thank you for listening.